Good to see all of you this morning. Hebrews chapters 1, 2, and 3, the early chapters of Hebrews is where we're going to be sort of wading into this morning. Before we get into the message, just a reminder, today is the absolute last day to purchase tickets for the fundraiser next Saturday. So we are cutting it off today, okay? So hope that you can join us. We have, I think, last count, over 130 people coming. So uh, that's awesome. Yeah, that, that deserves uh, praise. And thank you all not only for participating, but for inviting folks to come with you and be a part. It, it's just going to be a celebrated evening next Saturday night. Well, the songs that we just sang certainly go along with the message this morning. And I want to begin by saying this, God is never casual in His revealing Himself to us. God is never casual in revealing Himself to us. In the book of Acts, Paul is witnessing to one King Agrippa. And Paul says in the course of his conversation with King Agrippa, I know that none of these things, speaking about things relating to Jesus Christ and his time on earth, Paul says, I know, King Agrippa, that none of these things has escaped your notice, for they were not done in a corner. In other words, Paul is saying, I know... You know about all this. It's not like when Jesus came to earth, like he did all these things, you know, behind a curtain somewhere, in a closet somewhere, and nobody knew what was going on. No, God brought his son to this earth and he had him dwell here for 30 plus years. And there were many, many people who interacted with Christ, who saw His miracles, who heard His teachings and whatnot. And so Paul is reminding all of us, God is never casual when He reveals Himself to us. It's not like God plays hide-or-seek with us. It's like, it's right there for us. In fact, the psalmist writes these words in Psalm 19. He says, The heavens declare the glory of God and the sky displays His handiwork. Day after day it speaks. Night after night it reveals His greatness. So the Word of God is even saying even creation is literally just shouting out to us every day about our God, revealing who God is to us. The question is not, God, have you revealed yourself to us? The question is, are we paying attention to what God is revealing? Are we listening to what God is saying? Are we, you know, seeing what God wants us to see? And all of this really does sort of center around the ministry of the Holy Spirit. 
You see, God wants to reveal Himself to us. That's the way it's been since the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. God wanted to walk with Adam and Eve and fellowship so that they could know more about God and have a greater and clearer understanding of Him. When sin entered the world, that obviously was, was broken. It was, it was messed up. And even for Christians, the primary reason that God sends the Holy Spirit into our life is so that the Holy Spirit can, can have that role and be that instrument of amplifying, if you will, the revelation of God to us so that we can know Him better. Now, that's not all, but we're going to see that later. But that's where I want to begin this morning. That the Holy Spirit, one of His greatest roles in our life, is to amplify the revelation of God in our life. Let's begin with, first of all, God speaking. If you're there in Hebrews chapter 1, you'll see in the very first couple of verses of chapter 1, where the author says, look, in time past, God spoke to His people through prophets. But now, in these last days, He has spoken to us in a Son. When God wanted to reveal Himself to us, He literally sent Himself to us. The God-man, Jesus Christ, came to this earth to dwell among us. He took up residence among us. He became like us in His outward humanity. And it was so we could truly understand God in a, in a far deeper way than we ever could if he would have just stayed in heaven. Trying to reveal himself from a distance, if you will. You see, God cut through all of that distance and got real up close to us. Face to face. So that people who walked with Jesus could literally say, I saw the face of God. I heard the voice of God. And God wants to cut down any distance in our life to being able to see God and to hear God. And the primary instrument for that is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So he starts, though, Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews, with telling us God spoke to us in His Son. He didn't send a prophet. He didn't send an angel. He literally sent His one and only Son. And who would know God better than the Son of God? Which is why in verse 3, He says the Son is the radiance, the divine revealer of God's glory and the exact representation of the divine character of God, His essence. There could have been no better revelation of God than Jesus Christ. He is the full and final revelation of God to mankind. Which is why then you'll notice in chapter 2 verse 1, the author says, Therefore, we must pay closer attention to what we've heard. The words pay closer attention, again, mean to devote oneself, to apply oneself, to pay full attention, to set a course and keep to it, even more than we have up to this point so that we do not drift away. As I said last week, we are either anchored in God or we are adrift in our lives. 
And God wants us to be anchored in Him. How do we do that? By paying even closer attention to what we are hearing. Because God is revealing Himself by the things that we hear. Which is why Paul said in Romans, faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the Word of God. Then if you go over to Hebrews chapter 3, you'll notice three times in Hebrews chapter 3 and once in Hebrews chapter 4, or in those three times, that he says the same thing. He says, today, verse 7 of chapter 3 of Hebrews, as the Holy Spirit is speaking, today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your heart. He repeats that very same thing in verse 15 of chapter 3 when he says, Today, if you hear the voice of God, do not harden your heart. And then finally, in chapter 4, verse 7, the very same thing. Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your heart. Listen to the voice of God and open up your heart to His voice. Now, a couple of things. First of all, it reminds us in Hebrews 3, 7, when it says, Today, as the Holy Spirit says, and then he quotes from Psalm 95 of the Old Testament, he is reminding us that this is corroborating the divine inspiration of the Old Testament. That the Old Testament scriptures were the Word of God too, just like the New Testament scriptures, because it is God who is speaking through the Old Testament. And the author is also reminding us that just as it is in the New Testament, when we hear the voice of God, it is really the Holy Spirit who is amplifying His voice to us. He is magnifying the voice of God to us. He is strengthening, if you will, that signal from God to us. So that we can clearly... Hear what God wants us to hear. That's why when I hear Christians say, I don't hear the voice of God. I'm not hearing the voice of God. One of the first thoughts I have is, you need to get more in touch with the Holy Spirit. You need to walk in the Spirit because it is the Spirit who literally not only takes the voice of God and communicates God's voice to us, but literally amplifies it, makes it even stronger, strengthens again that signal, so there's no doubt God is speaking to me. When we disengage from the Spirit, when we learn not to walk in the Spirit as Christians, then His voice can become very uh, dim, very distant. We may have trouble sort of, as we would say, tuning in to the voice of God. And that's why you and I need to learn as Christians to follow the Spirit, to live in the Spirit, to walk in the Spirit, to be engaged with the Holy Spirit. Because not only will we hear God's voice through the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. But He will amplify that voice. He will make it even louder and clearer to us, if you will. And yes, He will use His Word so that we can truly hear the voice of God through His Word. 
He will use creation, as Psalm 19 has declared to us. But sometimes he also just speaks, even as Nicole pointed out there and using that 1 Kings 19 passage, sometimes just in that still small voice within us. Because he dwells within us. And if you and I are not learning to be in tune with the Spirit, we can miss that still small voice within us. Again, things can be so busy around us or so loud around us and we are allowing so many other things to speak into our lives that we miss the voice of God. But the author of Hebrews is telling us God is never casual in revealing Himself to us. He wants to speak to us and the Holy Spirit will amplify the voice of God. The question then for you and I is this at this point. Are we hearing the voice of God? And notice too in Hebrews 3 and then that one verse in Hebrews 4, he says, today, if you hear the voice of God, reminding us that God is still speaking today. He didn't just speak 2,000 years ago. He is still speaking today. And that his word and, and his voice and what he wants to say to us is just as relevant for us today as it was many centuries ago. If you and I are not continuing to hear the voice of God, then there's something wrong in our fellowship and in our connection with God, especially when it comes to our relationship with the Holy Spirit. Because it is the Holy Spirit, Jesus said in the Gospel of John, who will guide us into all truth, who will ultimately be our teacher. And if we're not hearing God through the Holy Spirit, especially when we know we not only can hear God through the Holy Spirit, who is God, He amplifies the voice of God to us. Then there's something wrong. There's a disconnection somewhere, and it's not God disconnecting himself from us. Somehow we have unplugged ourselves from being able to hear the voice of God clearly through the indwelling Holy Spirit. But the author of Hebrews doesn't stop there. He says it's not just about hearing the voice of God, it's about seeing God. And again, the Holy Spirit will amplify our vision of God so that we not only can hear God's voice in a clear way, we can see God in a clear way. Because it's so important, the Bible says, that we always see God. Look at some of these verses in the book of Hebrews. First of all, chapter 2, verse 9. The context here is that the author of Hebrews is saying, one day on earth, everything and everyone will submit to the lordship and to the kingship of Jesus Christ. But he says, leading up to verse 9, but as of yet, we don't see everyone and everything on earth submitting to Jesus. But he does say in verse 9, but we see Jesus. We see Jesus. Now, this was after Jesus ascended back to the Father in heaven. So, physically, Jesus was not still on earth. And yet, the author of Hebrews is saying, we can still, as Christians, see Jesus through the eyes of faith. By the way, this word see speaks about a voluntary observation. 
God will not force us to see him any more than God will force us to hear him. It is something that we must be willing to do. To say to God, God, I want to hear you. I I want to see you. And this word see speaks about a voluntary observation that enables one to become more aware of someone or something. So the author is saying, the reason why God wants us always to be able to see Him, to see Jesus, to be able to look upon Him, is so that we can become more and more aware of who Jesus is. And that this will aid us and help us and support us as we go through our earthly life on earth. Go over with me to Hebrews chapter 3 and look at verse 1. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters, partners in a heavenly calling, take note of Jesus, the apostle and high priest whom we confess. The words take note of literally mean open up your eyes and gaze upon Jesus. Concentrate upon him so that you can have a clear and greater understanding of who he is. Wow. In our busy lives, are we really taking note of Jesus? Maybe that's part of the reason why we struggle so. Is because not only are we not really hearing the voice of God, we're not every day seeing God. We're not taking time to consider Him, to concentrate upon Him, to gaze upon Him. So that we can have a clear and greater understanding. It's really interesting that this word in the Greek language is only used a couple of times in the New Testament. And it's mostly used around the apostles coming actually to the empty tomb of Jesus and inspecting it and and trying to figure out exactly what went on. If you know the story, it's like they got to the tomb and, and, and they couldn't just like look in from, from a distance. No, they had to bend down. They had to bend over. They had to stoop in. They had to get in there into the tomb. And then they had to look carefully. And the author of Hebrews is saying, oh, that we had that kind of attitude when it came to seeing God. And yet the Bible says, listen... God has sprayed His greatness across the universe in the skies and in the stars and the planets and everything we see. And and human beings have no excuse saying, God, I never knew about you. I never knew you. You never revealed yourself to me. God will say, what about my creation? You just ignored it. You just didn't pay any attention to it. If you would have just looked and taken the time to look at everything that I created, it would create in you such an understanding of me and really a reverence and a respect and an awe for me that would allow you to live on a much higher plane than where many of us live. Because we're not seeing God. We're not really taking note of Him. And again, how does the Holy Spirit come into play here? Because the Holy Spirit enables us to see God. And he amplifies the vision of God. Later on in the book of Hebrews, probably the most famous verse that we know about seeing God is Hebrews 12 too, 
where the author says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Looking unto Jesus. Never taking our eyes off of Jesus. Now, it's not like we carry a a picture around of, of Jesus of what, you know, Renaissance painters thought Jesus looked like and we just keep staring at the picture. No, it's about understanding Jesus by taking time to look at him through his word and through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And it's so important that we not only hear the voice of God, but that we see the vision of God. That we literally fill up our our vision with God. Because part of our struggle many times as Christians is that the problems or the circumstances or the trials that come into our life fill up our vision and God, who's greater than them all, occupies a very small place over here somewhere on the fringe. And God is calling all of us, you fill up your vision and your sight with me and all those problems and circumstances and trials that now have become so great will find their place. They will actually become very, very small. Because you see me. And so when you then look at your circumstances and look at your trials and look at your struggles, they will take on a completely different perspective because you're seeing them through the lens of God being big, you see. In a sense, not to demean or diminish who the Holy Spirit of God is, because obviously He is equal to God the Son and He is equal to God the Father, but just so that we can maybe a little bit better wrap our minds around the ministry of the Holy Spirit here, it would be like you and I having a human hearing problem and and a lot of things we miss because we don't hear, you know, everything that we could. And so we get these devices that allow us to be able to hear much clearer and much more and much better. That's exactly what the Holy Spirit wants to do, spiritually speaking. He wants to take our lack of of hearing God and He wants to be that spiritual hearing device, if you will, that we can always wear because He's always permanently residing in us so that we always can hear all that God wants us to hear. And when it comes to seeing, obviously there are those of us like myself that Every couple years now, in fact, it's more often than that at my age, I have to get a change of prescription because I start to see, I I can't quite see as clear at the distance or even up close like I used to. So, you know, now I have to, and then when you get the prescription, it's like, oh my goodness, I didn't even realize what I was missing. I didn't realize what I couldn't see until I could see. And for many Christians, that's why the Holy Spirit is so awesome when we begin to get in touch with the Holy Spirit. It's like, wow, I didn't realize what I wasn't seeing before. Now that I have the lens of the Holy Spirit on and I can really see God like I never saw him before. My goodness, I was missing a lot. Because the Holy Spirit, again, not only enables us to see God, but he amplifies, he strengthens, he magnifies the sight of God in our lives what the Holy Spirit wants to do. Now, here's the next step, though, in this progression. We could stop there and say, well, that's great. 
We need to, as God's people, make sure that we are seeing the things that God wants us to see and hear the things that God wants us to hear. But if we stop there, then we'd sort of probably end up just like the children of Israel in the Old Testament. Why do I say that? Well, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 4 and look at verse 2. But before you put your eyes on that, listen for a second to what I'm about to say. The Bible tells us that the children of Israel heard a lot. I mean, they heard the voice of God through his prophet Moses. And you want to talk about the things that they saw. They saw, they were witness to all the ten plagues that came down upon Pharaoh in Egypt. They saw the power of God. They saw a sea part so that they could go across on dry ground. They saw a pillar of fire by night that manifested the very visible presence of God in their midst. And they saw a cloud that manifested the very presence of God by day. They saw all those things. They heard all those things. But notice what the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 4 too. It did them no good because they did not respond in faith. So it's not enough for us to say, oh, it's so great. I now can hear God and hear what God wants me to hear. And I now see God and I see what God wants me to see. If, if. We stop there and we never respond to the things we are hearing from God or the things we are seeing from God in faith. Because if not, then we're going to be left at the same place that the Israelites were left. Who spent their entire spiritual lives just wandering in circles. Never making progress. Never getting anywhere. Because People down through history, including the people who were alive when Jesus was on earth. Did they not hear God speaking through Jesus, God himself? Did they not see the great things of God in the miracles that Jesus did by healing people and providing, you know, thousands of people lunch with a couple of loaves of bread and a few fish? And they saw all these things, but not everyone responded in faith. Many of those people who saw God himself in the form of Jesus Christ while on earth died and went to a Christless eternity. So we've got to be careful that we don't just stop with being satisfied with seeing what God wants us to see and hear what God wants us to hear if we're not responding to those things in faith. That's why later on in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 6, the author says, without faith, it's impossible to what? Please God. A human being cannot please God apart from faith. Because so many human beings, ever since the dawn of time, have heard the things of God. They have seen the things of God, but they never responded positively in faith. Because that's what faith is. See, faith is our response to God's revelation. That's what faith is. A positive response by us 
to what God has revealed. That's what makes faith different than belief. And that's why the Bible says even the demons believe and tremble, but they have no faith. They have an intellectual, if you will, analytical, antiseptic understanding of God and who He is and all that. But they never responded after a time in positive faith to God. No faith. You say again, well, how does the Holy Spirit come into play here? Because the Bible teaches us the Holy Spirit is dwelling within us to always encourage our faith in God. In fact, Paul prayed to the Ephesians. He says, I pray that you all may be strengthened by His Spirit on the inside so that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. You see, there's a connection, Paul said, between being strengthened by God uh, through His Spirit on the inside and then letting Jesus dwell by faith in our lives. The Holy Spirit was sent into our lives not just to amplify the voice of God and not just to amplify the vision of God, but also to encourage our faith, to say to us every day, trust me, believe in me, put your confidence in me, take that step and follow me over and over again. The Holy Spirit is doing that in our lives. The question then we have to ask ourselves beyond are we hearing the voice of God and are we seeing the vision of God is am I responding in faith to what God is saying to me and what I am seeing from God? Am I responding in faith? And the only way that you and I will consistently respond in faith to God, the only way I will sustain a life of faith is through the power of the Holy Spirit. Apart from the power and enabling of the Holy Spirit, we will not respond in faith to God. Which again, is then it's pretty vital if God says you cannot please me apart from faith, that we learn to live in the Spirit, to walk in the Spirit, to be hand in hand with the Spirit every day so that the things that we are seeing from God, the things that we are hearing from God, we respond in a positive way. Say, yes, Lord. Yes. And that we allow the full impact or import of the things that we hear and see from God to make the impact and to have the influence on our lives that God wants us to have. Which leads us to one final point this morning. If you look at Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 4, we see that God wants to reveal Himself. And He's not casual in revealing Himself. He is speaking to us. He is out there for us to see every day. But He doesn't just reveal Himself so that we can know Him. That's part of it. The other reason primarily that God reveals Himself is so that we can be a witness for Him and testify of Him. Which is why the writer says, God confirmed their witness with signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to His will. Help. I'm going to pray that you follow through with my line of reasoning here. God wants to so clearly and accurately 
reveal himself to us. Again, not so that he can bring just you and I to a point where it's like, I know you now better, God, but so that then we can take that more clear, accurate understanding and knowledge of God and be a witness and testify to God. God doesn't want those that really don't know him to witness for him because if we do that, when we really don't know God, then we actually are testifying of something false and we're misrepresenting who God really is. God first has to call us to himself so that you and I have an understanding of God that is accurate and clear so that when then God makes us conspicuous and puts us out there in the world and in our communities and takes a church like ours and plants it right where he's going to plant it, the people when they see can see, now that's God. That's who God really is. You see. The word confirmed speaks about God's fingerprints. You see, the reason why God worked miracles and signs and wonders and then gave gifts of the Holy Spirit to his people is so that others who looked at them could say, that's God. His fingerprints are all over them. The evidence of the reality of God and who he is, is there. And God is still in that business today because God still calls us to be witnesses for him. And isn't that directly tied to the ministry of the Holy Spirit? Did not Luke write in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 the words of Jesus to his followers, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem unto all Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Jesus connects the power of the Holy Spirit with being an effective witness for Him. In fact, you and I can't be an effective witness for Jesus Christ apart from the power of the Holy Spirit. He gave us His Spirit not just so we could know God in a better way, but so we could witness and testify of Him. I love the story, too, in the book of Acts. You know where Peter and James or or Peter and John are headed up to the temple and they see the lame man there. And I'm cutting through a lot, but Peter heals the lame man in the name of Jesus Christ. And that just sets the religious leaders of Israel in a tizzy. And so they arrest Peter and John and they bring him in. And they basically threaten them. They try to intimidate them. They say, you, when we, when we release you, and we will release you, you are not allowed to teach in the name of Jesus anymore. You are not allowed to teach about Jesus anymore. You are not allowed to do anything to promote the name of Jesus. And do you know what Peter's response was? Among other things, it was, it is impossible for us not to speak about the things that we have seen and heard. Acts chapter 4, verse 20. I love that. Peter says, guys, I hate to tell you, it's impossible for us not to speak about the things from God that we have seen and heard. Can I say in contrast to most Christians today, it's just the opposite. 
God, it's impossible for me to speak about the things that I've seen and heard. Now listen, I totally understand, I really do, that there's an appropriate time and place and way to take those opportunities that God gives us to be a witness out there to people that don't know Him, and even to other Christians that do. I get that. But I think that God would say to us that most of the time, most of the time, we're not taking all the opportunities that we could to be a witness. Because like going back to last week's message, we're, we're full of fear. We don't want to put ourselves out there because we might be rejected, we might be made fun of, we might be slandered. We might even have to pay a greater price for standing up for truth and for Jesus in the world in which we live. And we're not prepared to do that. Because again, instead of filling our vision with Jesus... And hearing the voice of God, we're trying to rationalize and make excuses for why we're not the witnesses and and giving the testimony about God that, that we should as Christians. And I will say this, especially at this very moment of our church's history, God is not entrusting us, this community of believers, with taking us to that very spot over there, a few miles from a worship center of Muslims and a few miles from a great worship center of Mormons and telling us, don't tell anybody about me. No. He's saying, I believe in you all enough and who you are enough that I'm trusting you to put you in this very strategic spot over there at Greenfield and Queen Creek so that you will have the same attitude as Peter did. It is impossible for us not to speak about the things that we have seen and heard. And the only way that you and I have that kind of attitude every day is when we are allowing the Holy Spirit to empower us and embolden us and give us the courage that the early church had. That's the reason why the the church today is not as powerful and making the progress and being the witness in the world that it is today. Because we as churches and we are as believers are living in intimidation and fear of the world rather than putting the world on notice that we are followers of the Lord Jesus Christ and we will not be shut up and we will not back down and we will not retreat and we will stand up for Jesus Christ no matter what it costs us. The Holy Spirit not only amplifies our revelation from God to us, I want to encourage you with this. The Holy Spirit also amplifies our witness From us to others. Which can I say that's also very important because many Christians and many churches today have adopted the worldly philosophy that if we can't do something big, then we're not doing it at all. If I can't do something flashy, if I can't do something just grand and great, then I'm not going to do anything at all. And God is saying, where is your faith? Where's your vision of me? Where is your hearing my voice? Because I'm telling you that if you filled your vision up with me and you filled your hearing up with me, you would understand that something very small, because it's usually the small things 
that then God can take that you and I do and he can amplify it and multiply it and magnify it and strengthen it. Isn't that why Jesus even said to his followers, even if you gave a cup of cold water in my name, that could mean a lot. And isn't it true in our lives as human beings, though, again, maybe we don't consider it a lot of times, that, yeah, we can look back over our life and go, yeah, there's some big things that people did for me that really stand out. But I know in my life, it's not necessarily the big things done every once in a while that people did that stand out to me. You know what stands out more, at least to me, in my life, from my perspective? It's the little things that people did consistently over a long period of time. That's what made the difference. And the Holy Spirit, as God, has the power to amplify our witness. But here's the danger. At the end of the book of Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 10, the author says, it is possible for us, even as followers of God, to insult the Spirit of grace. The word insult means to say, no thanks, spirit, or literally, in our language, butt out. That's what it means. In other words, the spirit wants us to hear God. We say, no thanks, spirit. The spirit wants us to see God. No, no thanks, spirit. The spirit wants us to respond in faith. Butt out, spirit. Spirit wants us to witness and testify. Butt out. Because it's voluntary. God built his kingdom on us being willing volunteers rather than being forced to do anything. Because God wants it to come from the heart. And so today, God is looking and saying, will you let me fill up your hearing with my word, with my voice? Will you let me fill up your vision with my sight, my vision? Will you let me encourage you to trust me and put your confidence in me like never before? And will you be my witnesses? Let the power of the Holy Spirit overwhelm and invade your life and be bold, courageous witnesses in the world in which we live. God doesn't expect us to witness to everybody. But God does expect you and I to take those opportunities when he gives us to witness and testify of him to somebody. Who is it that God wants us to witness to today so that they can see the fingerprints of God upon our lives and come to know God in a deeper, more profound way? Would you stand with me as we pray? We're getting ready to close our service by singing a song entitled, Waiting Here for You. And let's be reminded that the word waiting in the Bible doesn't mean passivity, it means activity. When you and I truly wait on God, then we are putting ourselves in a place where we can hear God. We are putting in ourselves in a place where we can see God. We are putting ourselves in places where we can grow in our faith and, and strengthen our faith so that we can trust God more. And we are putting ourselves in places where we can be a witness and testify to God because that's why God reveals himself. Not only so that you and I can know him, but so that you and I can be a witness for him. And all of these things, are connected to the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives. 
I don't know what the Spirit is speaking to you about today, but I know this. I know that He is speaking to each of us today. And I just repeat the words of the author of Hebrews. Today, if you hear the voice of God, do not harden your hearts like the Israelites did. Open up your heart and your life to the moving and ministry of the Holy Spirit. Let Him do what He wants to do today. Respond to Him in faith. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.